I I think I've been here since what, like the second episode. Um, I definitely enjoyed watching you guys grow. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Devin, you remember Monty's first episode? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> remember when she didn't speak until like the like 47 minutes in? <laughs> and I was yeah, like, because- who was that? Who's that? To be honest, I was intimidated by you, Eric. <laughs> I know, like a five foot five Asian boy, you know, so scary. From you. I get some weird vibes from you sometimes. But yeah, but I'm then sure. but then I, I end up saving you and you know it. Damn, Eric, catch an L. <laughs> yeah, okay. Real. Gonna roast your roast your guest right now. All right. I see how it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Imagine no, being scared of a five foot five Asian boy, like, damn. No, nah, the character development. Amadi started talking after like God knows how many episodes, but he started talking. More talking in this two minute segment than the first episode. Oh, that's very true. No, I think I went on a tangent my first episode. Like, really? For a, like, it was it was like it was like a good like three minute tangent, and that was the only thing that I said. And that is why I wish that do not like poor dad. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, all, right. all right let's get into it for today so um a changing world that's what we've chosen for today <laughs> i mean that's what eric chose for today yeah well we got to really you know take this into perspective you know you see how china's economy is really starting to catch up and you see how all the projections all the stats are saying they're basically set to hit and surpass America's level by 2030. Like, what do you guys think on this? Well, I actually wanted to ask you, why do you think that, like, this is going on? Obviously, COVID has really hit the American economy the way that we we decide to go about conducting, like, monetary and fiscal policy. Do you think that China's more structure of government is the, is the greater co- contributor to this? Or do you think it's more of the way that they handle the coronavirus? I wouldn't say it's the their structure of government because they're a communist regime. That is why they don't really have a high standard of living because everyone's basically getting the same amount. And the, the fact that they switched to capitalism I don't know, like a couple decades ago, which I think that's really the reason why they've seen such an uphill soar in their economic growth as of late and why they are projected to surpass America, basically. But in a communist regime, right, you you can still be you can be pushing out and using your resources very efficiently, but it doesn't mean that the standard of living is good because we know that GDP is not a measure of good of a good standard of living. Right. So how do you know that the communism is not working or how do you know that this new type of capitalism isn't working? Well, right? you got to so think is- about how even though you're having such a productive economy, which is basically because all these Chinese factory workers are working for less than minimum wage and working 10 to 16 hours a day, even six to seven days a week, even though you're at that point where your economy is so good because you're doing that, you're that productive as a society. You also have to take an ethical perspective into this. You can't have people doing that because I know China limits how much access people have to news outlets, to the media, to just certain websites in general. But 
I, I, I even heard they like banned video games for like 12 year olds during the weekdays. <laughs> but I, I just don't think that there is an ethical. I don't, I don't think it's just right morally to do something like that. You know what I mean? Even, even right. though you have, there's trade-offs to every single thing you do. I know I've talked about this with you multiple times. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good to look at the nuance and the fact that, yes, probably the, the U.S. economy is probably taking a decline. Um, but are we looking at a better standard of living or do you think we're looking at an equal standard of living? In terms of what? In terms of in, in terms of the amount of free time that we have, or do you think it's more of the it's more of the social unrest and the co- and the, like the COVID crisis that's causing the decline? Because I'm not I'm not sure China is having that sort of social unrest. You know what I'm saying? I don't. know. I feel like it's the things the, the way they do things over there. You know the way they produce like every single item you see that is that says made in china on it it's very there's so many of them out there and then that's all about like their production levels and things like that but as i said before there's an ethical trade-off here there's a moral trade-off so do you think that our standard of living is the reason why the chinese economy is surpassing us because i mean i would agree with that um but if our standard of living has remained constant then how do I if our standard of living has remained constant and their standard of living has remained constant then why now that's my point you know what I'm saying why is this happening now there has to be another driving factor behind this I would even argue it's possibly the tech development as in terms of like on China's part versus on the U.S. side all right um Oh, yeah, I mean, I just I just have one more question. Um, I can weigh in on this, too, after you do. But how do you feel this is this is going to affect the relationship between America and China within the future? Just considering that they well, America and China do not have a good relationship. Oh, they are I not. Know. I know. Yeah, they're not. You know, you don't think I know this. All right. <laughs> All right, go ahead, go ahead. They, they ain't like it. homies, you know? Like, they don't, like, have Saturday night barbecues, you know what I mean? Like, they, they ain't but... like that. Because by no, Ray Dalio, Ray Dalio wrote this book called Principles. It's an amazing book. I ended up reading it, and we're probably going to do an episode on it soon. But he said that the probability that we have a war with China in 10 years is 35%. 10 years. 10 years from now. 35. How is he getting that number? Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. Just he did his research. Just... You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. He did his research. I'm not Ray Dalio. <laughs> All right, but 35, like, this shampoo will give you three times more volume. Three times more volume? How I've seen that on an ad before. I've yeah, yeah, how, how, how do you measure volume? Volume of hair. How do you measure that? There's a formula. There's of no course. unit. There's, uh, no there's no unit. A formula. That's what I'm saying. There's always a formula. There's always a way. But I do, <laughs> I do agree with the fact that, yes... Um, if China is on the rise the way that it is, considering that they are both. Um... Yeah, but you got to think about it. Why do you think the Chinese economy is so is like growing the way it does? Like you got to think about how it's the work ethic, it's the work ethic that's going into the Chinese economy versus the American economy and the way that. Well, um... I don't know. I feel like this is a personal take. I feel that the American society that we sometimes award mediocrity. 
And that being average in America, that's okay. That is something that you're able to do. That is something that if you, if you try to be great, if you try to be great at something, then you're going to be ridiculed. But if you stay average, if you're like everyone else in America, that's fine. But in China, it's like so labor intensive. It's like, I don't know. I heard a report like if you if you went in the factory, you you like not do an hour or two of work, like you could get killed for that. So it's different over there. It's the culture that transpired in these two different parts of the world. That is why the way it is. Okay, here's my whole thing. Okay, if the American culture has remained constant, given given that this is true, that the American culture has stayed constant, and so has the Chinese culture, how come this work ethic and this whole disparity in the way that we view our jobs is is starting to affect us now? Or are you saying that these cultures have evolved into, like, into America seeing mediocrity as okay and the Chinese seeing the whole issue of, like, like like a whole labor intensive issue. The other thing, well, I, I feel like China's always been on the rise since the Industrial Revolution, of course. But China became capitalist in 1989, so it makes sense that 30 years from now that they'd seen a lot of growth because they had switched to capitalism, which is why right. you see an upward spiral in their trend. So they had all the same culture, like America, China. They they have been America's basically been kind of the same for the past 50 years or so, right? And then so China like, really changed with switching to capitalism. Yeah, so I get it. I get it. So you're saying it's the evolution of culture. And that is that is something that I actually agree with. What that do you disagree evolution. with? Um, I think there's also another fa- factor, um, and this goes to what the mediocrity is that if you look at the Chinese population versus the American population, there's not, and this is something I learned, like, because I'm more on the STEM side of things as of now, Um there is more of a competition for resources, especially now that China, that like China is capitalist. There is definitely more resources, which brings this whole competitive nature about. And I think that considering that the American population is only a fraction of the Chinese population, is why we can award mediocrity the way that we do. Because there's not as much competition. Well, it's and- not only that. It's the fact that the Chinese government invokes fear into people. And what fear is what drives people to do things and work harder, basically, even though it's not it's not good at all. You know? Which I'm saying that, yes, fear is definitely a big part. It's unethical. But I think it's also just a competition of, like, resources in the fact that since there's so many more people in China, so there's so much more competition. There's competition to innovate, competition to make more money. Because it's it's harder for people to maintain the living standard. I'm not I'm not blatantly disagreeing. I'm just saying that there are more factors. I think there's infinitely many factors when it comes to things like this. Just considering again, it's a changing culture. Especially recently, you see all the time. Like whenever I go on Instagram or anything, there's always a new post about oh this new NFT club just launched. This new club just launched, and you see NFTs being endorsed and bought by a bunch of big names, and so obviously big names. People are connected to big names and drawn to big names. So, of course, those people are going to also start researching NFTs and like, oh, what's this? Can I buy one? Uh, and I think recently, I think the, their popularity and just people who know just like the general concept of what they are has like skyrocketed. I think you know, that's pretty much what everyone's talking about, NFTs, NFTs, NFTs. And I think I'm on Team Gary V when it comes to NFTs 
because I really think that besides just being like digital art that you can exchange or whatever, I think that they're gonna their role is going to develop and evolve so much. Like I remember he was saying something along the lines of like, "Wait, wait, can I cut you for one second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, can you explain exactly what an NFT is? Yeah, sure. So an NFT is a non fungible token that operates on blockchain. So it's basically like a one of one copy. It's usually like artwork. So it's basically a one of one copy of that. Uh, and they mint for like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Collections mint for like millions usually. Uh, and sometimes depending on these, depending on the NFT, uh, it can be like it can serve like a ticket sort of. So I know a lot of people like the most when people think of NFTs, usually they think of like board eight yacht, board ape yacht club. Have you seen that? No, like the, I'm not the board eights. Board eight yacht club. Board ape. Board ape. Okay, all right. Let's look at it. Yo, Devin, you ever watched that impulsive interview when they were talking about like Gary V giving Logan Paul advice about NFTs? You ever? Yeah, and that? he was right. He was right. Yeah, and no, Logan Paul was like, "Oh, wait, yeah." So Gary V is telling me, "Yeah, NFTs are the future, man." And I'm like, "Hey, listen to this guy. It's Gary V." And then after that, and then it ended up skyrocketing, just like how Gary V had predicted TikTok, pre- predicted social media platforms rising. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Uh, what did you find? TikTok first came out. I was like, "This, this is going nowhere." Everyone thought it was like musically again. Oh my god, yeah. These these are kind of cool though. Yeah, I, I never I don't understand why a lot of people think Gary V is crazy. You know, he he makes so many great predictions. He's right like all the time. I don't even know who Gary V is, but I'm gonna start wow. watching him wow. on YouTube. So uncultured. All right, all right. Slow it down. Let's see. I and I think they serve they serve the ticket to the social club. That's also that's also part of why they're so expensive. Mm-hmm. Let's see. The, yeah, the most expensive one was sold for three point four million. Interesting. Okay, and so I just have a question for you. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Saying like they're and they're one of one. That's also why they're very rare. Yeah. So my whole thing is why can't you just copy? Like, what's the difference between copying and pasting a picture online and getting an NFT if anyone can get think- a hold of that picture? I think it's the same as owning a piece of artwork. Like, why, like, let's say, like, you were going to buy, I don't know, like, a painting from some famous painter. So people could say, like, well, why buy the painting? You can just print out a picture of it and put it in your house. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it's just, it's saying that, like, oh, I own this. And especially, like, if you own, like, let's say, like, a cyberpunk NFT or a board Ape uh, NFT, like, it's essentially a title, too. And not mm-hmm. only that, but you get you get certain benefits associated with it. Obviously, you can trade it. So that's probably the biggest thing is that when you buy the NFT, because they're one of one and they're limited supply too. Like they don't keep making them. So obviously, when when you don't keep making something, its value is going to go up over time. So it's it's basically an investment as well. So you can like let's say you bought a board ape NFT for like eighty five thousand. In a couple of years, it's going to be worth way more. Mm-hmm. And so its value is going to keep going up. So that's one thing. Uh, and then you get access to the social club too. So that's, that's another thing that people like. Uh, and yeah, and also besides just uh, the artwork and the ownership aspect of it, the other thing before was like, I heard Gary Vee say like, you know, maybe soon NFTs could become like tickets to sports games or like where you have to claim their NFT and use it like that. Or, he was saying like with music artists and stuff instead of like selling albums like 
you like the the album cover is an NFT and like you could sell that and then you gain access to the music. Like there's like so much there's like an infinite possibility of things that you can do with NFTs. And I think as you know, as time goes on, their role is in society is gonna become very much increasingly bigger. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, if we're moving even like, um, what's it called? like we're moving towards like a digital currency where it's not as backed by the government. Exactly. I also think though that is a bit, a bit of a risk. I'm not as, so I think Bitcoin where it's like the whole one for one, which I know you were telling me NFTs are not one for one. No, they um, are one for one, but they're on the what blockchain. What do you mean they're one for one? Like there's only one, like, so they're non-fungible. So that NFT, like let's say you have one of the board Ape NFTs, that's the only one of it. Like there's no copies of it. Right. So that's what I'm saying is that like one for one, meaning like if you give a Bitcoin, you can get a same, the, the, the same Bitcoin for the equal value. Yeah. Correct but you can't do that with NFT. So you can't do that. So I, I actually think that um, NFTs are maybe even a smarter investment than a Bitcoin. What do you think? Well, Bitcoins have depreciated in value so much that yeah. <laughs> there isn't really much wiggle room for that. Yeah. I think, didn't the I Bitcoin mean, uh, didn't the Bitcoin value go down from like seventy k to forty k in the last couple of months? It did, but I I feel like I don't know. I think Bitcoin might be more stable also because just like the stock market, it's gonna have periods where it goes up really high and also go drops really low. But at the end of the day, at least with the stock market, I would see it always goes up in the long run. Bitcoin so far is the same. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen but i think that's the pattern that a couple people are seeing but so here's I, the thing okay go ahead no i just think like with nfts they're also subjective like their value could just plummet too like let's say you were to make your own nft mm-hmm. its value could just plummet and you would have just wasted a bunch of time trying to make an nft so i think you know bitcoin is obviously more established and reliable than people just making their own nfts but and also it's more accessible to the common person Pretty much anybody can buy Bitcoin, but not everyone can buy an NFT that they know has value and will act as an investment. I think the only thing is that an NFT is backed by its artistic value and the fact that there, it, it, there's only one, right? Mm-hmm. Um where Bitcoin is, and, and I mean, I would not even compare Bitcoin to the start, stock market, just considering that the stock market to an extent is backed by the government. Like, yeah, a lot that's of true. get subsidies um, and they are regulated by certain laws. Mm-hmm. But Bitcoin, as far as I know, you don't have to pay tax with it because, like, if you own all Bitcoin, you don't have to pay tax because it's backed by the government. But in that same sense, it's scary because it's not backed by the government. So it can, at at some point, just be, like, worthless tender. I think they're different. I think all three stocks, Bitcoin and NFTs, are all different. I mean, they're all different levels of risk. Mm-hmm. I think NFTs are either, like, NFTs are usually kind of like boom or bust, sort of. Um, at least that's what I've seen so far. And like I said, you know, Bitcoin's more accessible to the common person. There's a lot of people who've invested in Bitcoin, so people are more like well versed about it. Um, I think I think it's really just two separate things that have to be treated separately. Yeah. But I I know they're both 
they're both definitely going to become a huge part of the future. I think maybe even stores will start accepting Bitcoin as currency or something like that. So I was interested in the fact that you said that NFTs are going to be used as tickets. Yeah. The game. So how does that. that work? I think, let's see, Gary V was talking about it. Let me look up what he said real quick. Because it's, it's basically art being used as tickets or is it more of like an invitation kind of thing? It could be like when you, you could use it as like when you, uh, like you purchasing a ticket would be like you getting the NFT basically. So like you're, okay. you're giving them your money and you get your NFT, which acts as your ticket. Oh, it, could, it could work like that. Because I know for um, school, we had like, we had, so we had like a Snoop Dogg concert in the beginning of the year. And the way that they did it is we didn't have like a physical ticket that we needed move to like apple wallet and then they kind of just like scanned our phone yeah so it'll function like that yeah and even like that nft like for example uh if you have let's say let's say this is somewhere in the future and you're at like a world series game it's obviously a very big game and let's Mm -hmm. say your ticket is an nft and then let's say like 50 years from whenever let's say that game is really significant your nft will probably rise in value because it's one of one from that game Oh, so it's like it's like a digital ticket. Yeah, it could. It would, I think it would function just like a ticket. Interesting. Like, okay. That could be a possibility. So now, now the move is like, where do we make money off of the NFT? So would it be more of like an asset that appreciates over time, kind of like a baseball card, like that uh, sort of thing? Most well, I guess the big ones definitely or a. And all the other ones will definitely appreciate over time. Uh, but, you know, they're kind of hit or miss. And I think most are most are missed, I believe. But, you know, when you if you're hopping on at the right time, if you if you buy from the right collection, then you could definitely make a, like a couple like, you know, tens of thousands of even hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. They're like there's people who thought who bought NFTs for hundreds, hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, like maybe in like you know like four thousand five thousand dollars sold them for eighty thousand dollars so you know very oh sorry good no i'm just saying like you know there's there's a lot of room to do that but it's you know you have to get lucky sometimes and you have to pick your nfts wisely and it doesn't always work out it's very interesting that we're moving into such a digital age where like even images are becoming like like online images are becoming collectibles instead of the classic like painting you know what i'm saying yeah it almost be used as like an asset exactly exactly that is it. Although, i wonder like how much liquidity an nft has compared to um, like a like a physical piece of work mm, what do you mean like okay if i had a painting Right, and I bought it for $4,000. Obviously, you also have to look at the way that it appreciates. And then um, I buy an NFT also for $4,000. How easily can I sell it for money? How can, how, like, it would, do you think a physical painting would be harder to sell for money or easier to sell for money than an NFT? That, that, like, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't think there's a definite answer, just considering that there's so many things that contribute, like, the appreciation of the artwork mm-hmm. um, and, and things like that. And obviously, like, 
how popular that artwork is. But yeah. let's say like if they were two of the exact same scenario, one was physical and one was an NFT, where does that leave you as in terms of how much you can make off of that piece? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, I don't think and I don't know if there would be taxes answer. associated with NFTs or, uh-huh. you know, because like if you if you mint if you mint an NFT in a certain site, they might collect a certain portion of profits, maybe. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's just it was just a question. I want to see where yeah. this whole collectible digital art is going to go over time. We we went from current we've we've done physical currency to digital currency, and now we're even taking assets and we're making them digital. Yep, so it's just very it's a very interesting concept to me. Mm-hmm.